0: Are you asleep again? He didn't know what to say. I, um. But Jesus just turned and walked back to where he was praying. What could he say? Earlier he had argued with Jesus. I won't leave you. I won't fail you. I'll die first. But now he couldn't even keep his eyes open. Peter berated himself severely. What's wrong with you? Come on. You can do this. Show some courage. Show some fortitude. But so much had happened. Jesus had praised him. Jesus had told him he'd be a failure. He said they'd all rule with him. But he also said he'd die. Before the rooster crows, I'll fail not once or even twice, but three times. But that earlier fright was even greater. One of you will betray me. Peter had to be honest with himself. He really wasn't sure if maybe it would be him. It was a weird sensation when he and John saw Jesus point out Judas. Relief. Horror for Judas. Trying to grasp what it meant. Of course, once he knew it was Judas, it made sense. But then the whole night of talking, intense, intense instruction and warnings and promises, He realized he was rubbing his head again and that his back was sore. He put his hand down as he stretched his legs and felt the sword. Two swords, and he had one of them. It is enough, he had said. Two swords? What were they supposed to do with them? I'm a fisherman. What am I doing here? He leaned back against the rock. It still had the warmth of the day in it. Peter closed his eyes and let the heat soak into his back. It felt so good. Are you still sleeping? Peter jerked himself awake and tried to concentrate on what Jesus was saying. Was that my betrayer is here? Peter stood up and looked around in the dark. It wasn't hard to see where the trouble lies. There were a lot of lights coming up the path. And you could hear the noise. It was a large crowd, a very large crowd. And they did not sound friendly. Peter turned away from the crowd and frantically looked for an escape route. He saw it just behind them and to the left. He started to point and was going to say something, but when he turned to to Jesus, he was walking away from him towards the crowd. Peter rushed to catch up and pushed past the other disciples just in time to see Judas coming up to Jesus. He gave him the kiss of friendship. Peter burned with anger that underhanded snake. Then Peter saw Malchus. The chief priest's henchman. He was obviously in charge of this game. Somebody said, shall we strike? And he knew what he had to do. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will run. Jesus had said, well, two can play at that game. Peter lunged at Malchus and he aimed to bring the sword down his head. But Malchus dodged and dropped to his knees. So the sword just grazed the side of his head. Peter could see the blood in the sputtering light. But Jesus berated him. No more of this. Put your sword away. Peter didn't know what to do. Jesus knelt down and touched the ear of Melchus and healed it. But he was the enemy. Peter looked up to see if anyone else got it. And that's when he realized just how big this mob was. There were temple guards. There were Roman soldiers. There were hundreds of angry people. They all began to move forward and suddenly Peter's heart gave out. He turned and ran with all the strength he had. But his eyes were no longer used to the dark with all the lights the crowd had. He had made it halfway across the garden when he tripped over something and fell on his face. All the other disciples had followed him and now they ran past him. Except John. Are you all right, Peter? Was he all right? Was he all right? How could John ask such a question? He turned to look down toward Jesus and realized that no one was following them. The entire crowd was parading after the soldiers who had Jesus back towards town. Peter looked towards John. His eyes, too, were following Jesus. When John looked at him, they both nodded and started downhill. They didn't get too close, of course. But it was easy to follow a group this large. Soon enough, they were through the city gates and headed right for the money side of town. Why didn't they steer toward the palace? A few more blocks and Peter understood. They were going to the high priest's house. Peter's anxiety increased with each step. John was ahead of him now and Peter was just trying to hide himself any time they passed a light. Pretty soon people in the crowd began to stop and line the street. John kept pushing ahead. What could he do? He had no choice. He kept as close behind John as possible and he kept his head down. If someone recognized him, he could be dead. Peter would shoot a glance up every few steps and he saw the gate to the house draw near. There were soldiers and guards inside and out. He could hardly breathe. What if they saw him? Then he saw the servant girl at the gate. She was staring wide-eyed at everyone who went into the complex. Peter's heart was pounding as he realized she would look at him too. What if she blurted out, Who are you? What would they do to him? His pulse slammed against his ears like a hammer against a drum. They were only fifty feet from the gate. He could hear nothing but his own heart pounding. People were crowded all around. His vision was narrowing. They were at the gate. He couldn't do it. He swerved away and went to the side as John walked right through. He was alone. But he was not alone. All the people from the crowd who could not go into the high priest's house were standing around in the street. He was surrounded. What would they do if they realized who he was? Peter thought he was going to throw up. But just then he heard a voice calling his name. Peter, Peter, come in. It was John. He was standing with the girl. Of course, their families knew each other. The knot in his stomach eased a little as he moved out of the splotched dark and away from the people towards the light of the gateway. He took a deep breath, but it came out in trembling gusts. He realized he was shaking. He had to appear calm, in control, natural. So as he walked through the gate, he turned to nod a greeting towards the girl. Her brow wrinkled and she half questioned, half stated, you also were with Jesus. Every fear he had screamed at him again. The soldiers were only feet away. I don't know what you mean. I am not. He quickly moved past her to the courtyard. Then he looked up and saw him. Huge doors were wide open so everyone could see and hear. They had bound Jesus and placed him at the front of the great hall, up on a low platform with the high priest and a few other important people. Peter stood by himself for a long time in the semi-darkness, listening and watching. Suddenly he shivered and realized how cold he had gotten on this dark night. It was a large fire that people were gathered around. They were all intently watching Jesus and the priests. Everyone wanted to know what was happening. They wouldn't pay attention to one lone traveler. As long as he kept quiet, he'd be okay. So he went up to the fire to get warm. But he couldn't shake the fears that gripped him, and he kept glancing all around. The girl from the gate was talking to another servant girl. All the servants were whispering to each other, this was a big event. What would the outcome be? He began to concentrate more on the trial, for that is what it was. He became indignant once again for this miscarriage of justice. But then he heard voices close to him murmuring. He looked over and one of the girls was saying, This man was with Jesus. I do not know the man. They did not seem satisfied and began to murmur amongst themselves. Peter pretended to ignore them, but he could still hear what they said. He's one of them. Listen to his accent. He's a Galilean. And finally a man came up to him. Peter recognized the face, but it took a moment to remember where he had seen it. Then he knew this was a relative of Malchus. Did I not see you in the garden with him? He was trapped. He got really loud. He began to say things very loudly. Words were coming out of his mouth that Peter couldn't believe he would ever say. And then practically shouting, I do not know the man. The crowd was staring at him. It was deathly quiet. And then he heard it, a rooster crowing. Jesus' words flooded back to him and Peter's eyes snapped back to look through the doors over the heads of everyone seated there to the one he had just denied. The Lord was looking right at him. Peter knew that all that he had just said Jesus had heard. He turned and ran through the open gate. He didn't stop running until he finally fell exhausted. He wept until he lost consciousness. Peter, the rock. (laughs) That's what his name means. A rock. Not much of one. (laughs) Peter was the probably self-appointed, at least initially, leader of the disciples. Here you have Peter failing miserably, completely without courage. In the face of fear, he fell. He failed. ever wonder why they let him run away i mean he was in the courtyard there were gates there were guards how did he escape well it's simple he didn't they let him go if the leader of jesus disciples could not stand then they had won it was better to let peter live so everyone would see what a failure the teaching of jesus was and for a while it looked like it had worked for 50 days peter and the others did nothing and then, Pentecost. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. When the Holy Spirit was given that day, the birthday of the church, the crowd started to question and even ridicule the followers of Christ. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Peter! The one hiding in the dark, trying to say nothing, now loudly asking to be heard. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Peter, (laughs) is that you? (laughs) The one who denied Jesus, now forcefully proclaiming him and directly accusing those who asked for his death. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Wow, Peter, you got some moxie. (laughs) Where'd this huge infusion of courage come from? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now look at this. Fifty days earlier, he's avoiding servant girls. (laughs) And now he's ordering around a vast crowd, not of hundreds, of thousands. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Less than two months earlier, Peter couldn't have convinced anyone to follow Jesus. He couldn't follow Jesus himself. Now in one day... He introduces 3,000 to Christ. And there's more. Go forward some weeks in time with me. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Peter is getting it. (laughs) He had proclaimed Jesus in word. Now he was going to proclaim him in miraculous action. Do you remember Jesus words to them on that fateful night? Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Thousands believed because of Peter's first sermon. More thousands would believe with this first miracle. People saw the miracle and began to follow John and Peter. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people men of Israel. Why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are all witnesses." And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Many of those who had heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to about 5,000. Wow! It is amazing what a courageous exclamation of the good news will do. But, uh, of course, not everyone will believe especially those with a vested interest. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Go, Peter! Wow! (laughs) Do you realize what's happening? Peter is standing in front of the very same high priest, whose house he had fled from in terror just weeks ago. Scared for his life. The same guards that were there are here now. Many of the same people that were in the crowd that so unnerved Peter, then are there now. Back then, these high and mighty men disregarded them, but now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, They perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. (laughs) I'll say. So these astonished men have a meeting to consider their most expedient course of action. I'm always amazed how they never consider the right, the proper course of action, just the one that they will benefit from the most. Only... Only they won't benefit from it (laughs) in any event. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to listen to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. I have to stop for a second. It's not in the notes. But. Doesn't it interest you that they knew what had happened? A man was healed who was lame from birth, and they skipped right over it, missed it, they completely missed it. Amazing. Back to the back to your sermon. We now return to your sermon. Are you impressed yet with the enormity of the change in Peter's life? And are you afraid that it might be bravado that will fade away? sort of like has happened in our lives. Let's jump forward a year or so. Thousands of miracles have occurred. Tens of thousands of people have turned to Christ. The apostles' popularity and probably influence outstripped that of the priests. The church was doing great, but the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night... An angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now, if Peter's an average guy, he's feeling pretty invincible now, right? Go ahead, do your worst. I got an angel on my shoulder. Yeah, Yeah, that's kind of what a normal man would do, yes? Maybe even us. But no, watch. The high priest gets everybody he can muster together. Call it a joint session of Congress, but with the Supreme Court and the Joint Chiefs. And of course, then they find out the apostles are not in prison anymore. <laughs> That's gotta have unnerved them, wouldn't, wouldn't you think? They hear they're in the temple, preaching away, so they bring them in. Probably a little, with a little more care than they might otherwise have done. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers reigns Jesus, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. In other words, yes, we are saying you killed him. And no, we're not going to stop teaching about Jesus. Well, there's a big blow up, as you can imagine, much screaming and gnashing of teeth. But the great Gamaliel, by the way, we find out later that he taught the Apostle Paul when he was young and still called Saul and not a Christian. Anyway, Gamaliel talks with them and gets them somewhere near reasonably calm. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were accounted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and praising Jesus as the Christ. Teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Did you catch that? Wow, Jesus got beat and now we've been beaten for him. What a great day (laughs) let's go tell more people about him (laughs) are you thinking maybe peter really has changed well let's be sure jump forward about a decade with me about that time herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church he killed james the brother of john with the sword and when he saw that it pleased the jews he proceeded to arrest peter also This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So the great fear that Peter had years ago on that dark night, when he ran away, was finally to actually happen. James, one of the three, was dead. We should put that in perspective. When Jesus was transfigured, showed who he was, the only three he brought along were Peter, James, and John. When he brought the dead girl back to life, only this inner circle was allowed to accompany him. When he went to Gethsemane to pray, the setting for our little story, he asked Peter, James, and John only to come with him that last little distance. Would you not think that of all people, God would have kept James from being executed? But he did not. And now Peter has been arrested and is scheduled to be brought out the next morning and killed. How will he respond against this threat? Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly! And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real. but thought he was seeing a vision. (laughs) The man was asleep. I don't know about you, but if I'm getting murdered tomorrow, I'm not going to be sleeping much. He's asleep. So soundly asleep that the light didn't wake him up. The angel had to whack him in the side to get him to wake up. And then then here he's thinking, hmm, this is a very interesting vision. I wonder what God is trying to tell me. What's he trying to show me? (laughs) Peter's calmness in the face of death is amazing. And not just the threat of death or harm like a Jesus trial. This is the real thing. Herod had killed James. And this very day he planned to kill Peter. Only he didn't. God takes him out once again. And he would write in his first letter, It is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. And, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Hey, suffering can actually help you. Not only that, but... Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Rejoice? Well, how? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Entrust your soul To the one who made you. All the while doing good. Uh, Okay. How do I entrust my soul to him? Humble yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Humble yourself so that he may exalt you. Make you... and establish you. Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And all we have to do is be aware of the devil's attack on our souls and resist him, especially when it leads to suffering. What would be suffering for you? Um, What, if you lost, would hurt? Hmm, Another question. What should you be resisting? Peter was protected from death a number of times. But just a few years after he wrote that first letter, he wrote another letter. His last. From a cell he would only leave to die. How will this man respond now? I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. He knew death was imminent. He knew that what he had once feared so greatly that he denied his Lord and ran away was now upon him. And now the choice is offered again. Deny Jesus or die. And he dies. He chooses Christ. How? How does a man do that? Listen to his words. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Peter knew not just that he would die, not even just who Jesus is or how the Holy Spirit strengthened him so that he could die for his Lord, He knew his future. Because way back on that fateful night, before Peter denied him, but right after Jesus told Peter he would deny him, Jesus also said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And he also promised him, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit, who changed Peter's heart, made him courageous. Let's go back to Peter's second letter. The very next verse, after he told him about how all this would be dissolved, but a new heaven and a new earth was being made for us. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, the new heaven and the new earth, Be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. So is there a spot in your life? Do you want to bring that blemish into the new world? Peter was living a life without spot or blemish and his heart, in the face of death, was at peace. You think, I wonder, what's he remembering? One more promise of Jesus from that night long ago. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Peter the coward is transformed. Now he truly is Peter the rock. What about you? Would you like to be transformed? Remember, Peter believed when he failed. But he did fail. Then he let the Spirit into his life. Filled himself with the Holy Spirit. Spots and blemishes in his life were pushed out. That's true, often by suffering. But he was okay with that. If it brought him closer to his Creator the one who is creating a new heavens and a new earth, where righteousness, that right living, lives in this new creation. No worries about denying Jesus anymore for any of us. No worries about sinning anymore for any of us. Do you look forward to that? Because it maybe time that we so fill our lives with the Holy Spirit... So allow him to control our lives that spots and blemishes begin to fade away. Do you like those spots so much that you want to keep them? Really, that's... (laughs) And that's the secret. When our lives are more filled with the Holy Spirit than our own, and we'll be kind and say way less than perfect desires, then we will see sin cease in our lives. Then we will find courage to speak out for Christ, even in the face of hatred or rejection, maybe even suffering. And then we too can be rocks for Jesus, like Peter, the rock.